Hey, my friends, welcome back to the podcast. I have a guest today to hang out with me. His name is Daniel Dolan. He is going to be one of the authors of an upcoming book that a group of us common men are writing called In the Game. And today you're going to hear him answer some of these questions that are going to be in the book. And uh, so I look forward to this. Daniel, thanks for hanging out today. Thank you for having me, Mark. Before we get into these important questions, I always like to ask people, what do you do for fun? Well, I I do a lot of what you do for fun. I play pickleball. I work out. I hang out with friends as, as often as I can. I get on the floor and play with my girls as often as I can. My, my two little uh, seven and four-year-old. Um, take them for walks. I, I, I mean, get outside. This may not be important. Do you like disc golf? I like disc golf, yep. So we've played it's, before. Last time we played, who won? I think I just want you to remember me last oh, time. I, I wouldn't have brought that up if I knew. I feel bad now. But the first time we played when I was like extremely rusty, I remember beating you and it came down to the last hole and yeah, and I'll still never let you live that one down. Yeah, that motivated me to go back to the drawing board and actually learn how to throw the throw it better cuz Losing to a rookie was a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, listener, um, Daniel is truly a great man and a great friend and the kind of person uh, every man should know. Every man needs a Daniel Dolan in his life. And so I want you to hear from him today. We're just going to have a conversation together. So in this book... Um, all of us men are answering the same questions, and we're going to talk about some of those today. So let's start with the first one, Daniel. Describe a time in your, li- in your life where you felt like you were on the sidelines. So before you answer, let's talk, let's break this down. The thought that this premise that men, we, we live our life, maybe you grew up as a boy playing sports. Did you play sports as a kid? Yes. Football, wrestling, and baseball. Yeah. So, how did you feel when you're in the, when you were out there participating? I felt alive. I mean, it just it made me feel alive is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Like you're probably just are you really captured in it when you're playing? Yeah. Like, are you just? It's it, it would just it just gave me a thrill like like nothing else did. Yeah. So you did. For much of your high school, even before that, you did a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I would go yeah. from one sport to the next sport to the next. You know, football, wrestling, baseball. It was I was doing something. One of those three. So the premise of this book is is really it's a it's a metaphor that when you're in the game, what you just described, the thrill, like it gave me a thrill. And the premise is that then we grow up, and all those sports end. We had a sport, we had teammates, and we had coaches and mentors. And then we become a man, <laughs> and it's like, hey, where'd all that stuff go? Mm-hmm. So did you experience that as an adult man where you felt like, man, all that stuff I had when I was younger is gone, and now I'm like, did you experience that? Yeah, for sure. I... uh when I finally finished playing baseball, I played a little bit of college baseball. So I finished up around 20, 20 ish. And at that point I tried to find the, uh, 
the thrill in intramural sports, you know, playing flag football, doing this, doing that. And, and it, it gave me uh, somewhat of that, that thrill, mm-hmm. but the, the team, the team atmosphere wasn't there because it was, nobody really took it that serious. It wasn't, it wasn't like we were really trying to win a championship like we were back in yep. high school. It's like, man, we're, we're competing for a championship. Like we're, that, that's our ultimate goal is to yeah. go out and win, win the gold ball or win a, win a ring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing was comparing to that in life. When did it get empty for you? It, maybe that's, was that the word you would use? What did it feel like when the thrill is gone? Where did life take you? I just, I never felt empty. I just felt unfulfilled. Like there was something out there um, that I was missing mm. and I felt unfulfilled and I knew in my mind that there has to be something there's got to be something more than what I'm living for yeah I couldn't put my finger on it couldn't I didn't know what it was but there was just an unfulfillment I I was happy I was you know I was a you know just a genuine nice guy you know friendly and but I just had this unfulfillment deep within nobody would look at your life and think you're struggling Right. Yeah. yeah. Nobody would look at me and be like, man, he's, he's hurting or he's, he's going through depression or anything like that. Like I was just, just your normal average guy, happy, yeah. you know, uh, but just a, a sense of unfulfillment, you know, within. So let's pause this for a second and let's just make a, a note of what Daniel just said. I, outwardly looking fine. Everyone thinks I'm fine. But can we just make a bold statement here and declare that when a human being feels unfulfilled, that is the seed place of disaster for any human being. I think sometimes the greatest pains in life are, are undiagnosed or, or even unspoken of. If something bad happens in your life, it makes sense for you to go tell someone, hey, I feel terrible because this happened. But when you're unfulfilled, like, what do you do? Go tell a friend, hey, I feel unfulfilled. <laughs> it's a weird conversation. Mm-hmm. No one no one does that. But I think it is a really serious matter whenever any, whenever any human being feels unfulfilled in their life. Because then it makes us live... It makes us live our life to fill a void, which puts us onto all kinds of desperate pursuits. So anything else about that time in your life? You're unfulfilled as a man. How does that play out? How did that impact you? Um, I mean, I was definitely living life at that time 100% for me. Like... Mm. And that was, you know, when we get to some of these other questions, that was, that was the uh, big, that was the big thing is I was living 100% for me. Um, You know, I would work out so that I could look good, you know, look good in the mirror. I would, I would do things. Every, everything I did in life was to make me look better or feel better or whatnot. It was just all directed towards my happiness. Um, 
which when we get into it, that, that ultimately is what left me, I believe, unfulfilled. Yeah. Yeah, living from a place of being unfulfilled, I, I can relate to that, being unfulfilled for much of my adult life. It made me try to prove myself to people. Mm-hmm. I, I worked hard to present myself to people. I, what I really wanted to be was a man who gave myself to people, but because I lived out of that unfulfilled place, I was trying to prove myself to people. Mm. And it prevented me from being able to actually give myself to people because it put a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. So living from that unfulfilled place, um, I, I there's no question that a lack of fulfillment makes all of us very susceptible to turn to any type of activity, substance, relationship, to try to fill the void. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if a human being is living unfulfilled, I would say that 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 person has to find a way to try to fill the void. Mm-hmm. And of course, the dangerous thing is, as humans, we usually find things that don't work. Mm-hmm. So how did you get yourself back in the game? Before you answer, I want to say to listeners, listeners out there, if you don't know Daniel, uh, and you want, I want you to have Daniel in, your, Daniel in your life, Daniel is probably the bullseye of what a great man looks like. I'm not just saying that he's sitting across from me. I really mean that. This guy lives in the game. He, he is just always metaphorically on the field, living in the moment for people, and, and just engaging in such a way that he's a... He's such a difference maker with his life. And so that's why I wanted him to, uh, I wanted, I wanted his voice to be heard by you. And so Daniel, you are clearly in the game as a man. How did you get back in the game? Well, um, I, I don't want to give too much credit to a one particular sermon that I listened to, but I do give a lot of credit to that because this mm-hmm. particular sermon was about surrender. Um, guy comes out in a jujitsu gi, and he talks about tapping out. Um, you know, in jujitsu, you lose when you tap out. Mm-hmm. And the premise of his message was, if you tap out to Jesus, you win. Mm-hmm. And I'd grown up in church, um, grown up basically thinking like, hey, to be a good Christian, you, you go to church, you read your Bible, you pray. Um, and I mean, those are the three main requirements to be a good Christian. And I honestly had to come to a place um, where I realized I wasn't following Jesus to actually start following Jesus. Hmm. And when I came to that place and I realized, man, I've been doing this wrong. Like I have never surrendered my life to the one and hmm. actually let him lead me. Um, as soon as I started letting, letting God lead my life, uh, the fruit became evident because I just, I started putting myself out there, not, not to gain like, you know, people's likes or whatnot, but simply like I, I was, I was trying to, my whole motivation was to be a pointer to Jesus. Like that, that was, that was it. I would put myself out there and I would love people and I would serve people 
simply just so that they might step into the freedom that I had in Christ. Because when I stepped into that freedom with Christ, um, I, I recognized that everything up to my up up to that point in my life, um, I had been redeemed, so to speak. I mean, I had been redeemed. I had been set free, and so therefore. I started actually living like that beforehand. I knew, I knew all that knowledge, mm-hmm. but I didn't live like I was redeemed and restored. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest change was just simply surrendering and then starting to live like I was actually redeemed. Mm. It's so fascinating. That, that simple, I love the visual of the, the jujitsu <laughs> you know, in, in that sport, when you tap out, like you, you've lost. And the reality is in the kingdom of God, you lose your life to find it. Mm-hmm. And so I want to hear what you think about this, this thought. I was talking to Dan Aller, who's writing a book right now about manhood. And he's also in the book that we're writing together. He said, you know, I used to live my life trying to fill a void. Now I live my life to give a passion. Mm. Does that resonate with you? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, I did not realize the gift that my life could be when it, when given away. Oh, wow. Um, Mm. and it's like, you don't, you don't really, we're using the word tap out. Um, you don't really tap into that until you you step into that and you start giving your life away. And then you realize like, man, like my life is actually being used right now to make a difference in people's lives. And it brings a joy it's to incredible. you. Um, uh, just a, an overwhelming joy. And you start to, you start to create momentum with that. And then it's just, I mean, you're just living at that point. That's just, that's be, it's kind of a becoming you start doing that and then it, it transforms you. Yeah. That is fascinating that you didn't realize how much value your life could have to others. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating that when we're trying to fill a void as a person, it's all selfish. Mm -hmm. We don't recognize that we're a selfish person, but we don't, what we're doing is we run around trying to fill ourselves. And I think about, I just imagine in my head, you said you used to like to work out. Like I could just imagine if every time you worked out, you were like trying to prove yourself as a man, trying to make yourself enough, trying to, and now I know you still like to work out and I've worked out with you, but even when you work out, you do it out of a sense of mission you do it out of a sense of giving to people because I've seen you in the room working out with people. It's almost like you're working out for people, (laughs) not trying to fill a void in you that you had to prove something. You seem to work out with a lightness about you that this is a way that you just stay in the game. It's not, you're not working out to prove yourself as a man. Is that true? Because that's how it seems to me. Yeah. A hundred percent. I've taken a lot of the passions that I used to have with working out sports, you know, pickleball, and I've used those avenues as ways to invite men 
into a deeper bond with myself and then making connections with some of the other guys that get invited to that stuff. And so, yeah, my soul, like the, the main reason for doing that is not so that I can beat them down in pickleball. Yeah. Uh, it's so that we can build a relationship like winning and losing is no longer my, what I care about. Whereas, you know, a few years ago it was win at all costs um, now it's more love and serve at all costs. And the outcome is I'm just having fun with friends. That, I, that it sounds so liberating what you just said, that it used to be win at all cost. And now it's love and serve at all cost. And now I'm just having fun with friends. I think about the win at all cost in my mind. I'm just going, where where would that go if every day a person lives to win at all cost? Like, I, I can't imagine what happens in the mind. I mean, that's got to be an anxiety maker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to have anxiety, win at all cost. <laughs> you want to drive yourself crazy, win at all cost. You want to ruin all your relationships, live to win at all cost. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds, that when you said those words... It felt like a, a massage to the soul when you said, now it's just love and serve at all cost. And now I just feel like I'm having fun with friends. That is freedom. That is freedom. So I've got to experience you doing something so special with men. And, and literally, it's a miracle. I've got goosebumps right now thinking about this. <laughs> I believe with all my heart that if common people will take uncommon steps with common people, miracles will become common. Yes. A few months ago, you invited me to be part of a retreat because I'm part of this group that you started a couple of years ago. And there's, what was it, 10 guys, 12 guys? I think 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah who are out at this random lake house spending a weekend together, having such life-giving conversation, a lot of fun, great food. It, it was really a miracle. Mm-hmm. If you think about the hustle and bustle of life, everyone's just going, 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 going. There's so little connection that one human has with another. And to think that a few months ago, 11 or 12 guys met together at a lake house for the weekend and just had conversations around the table that were so impacting. Mm -hmm. And the reason they happened is because you decided life was not about you. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? Where did this start with this group? It, uh, well, it, it all started back whenever I heard that message about surrender, I realized that uh, there was something to do with with your faith. Like, you don't just set on it. You actually, it's active and alive. Mm. And in order to, to really, uh, I guess, have a faith that's going to move, you've got to be around people. And so the, the only thing I could think of doing was 
the only the only way people were gonna you know maybe step into that freedom that I had stepped in is if I hang out with them. And so I thought, well, let's do this. Let's do a men's group. The only time I had available was Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., which sounds miserable, you know, for most people to wake up at yeah. that early on a Sunday morning. And I had access to a basketball gym. So I was like, you know what? I'll just call some friends, uh, see if I can get a group together. We'll we'll talk about Jesus for, you know, about an hour, and then we'll play basketball for about an hour. And then that'll give people plenty of time to um, to be done to go to church after that. And uh, I think the first Sunday that we met, I, I want to say probably 10 people came. And then I think uh, week two or three, you showed up, and I, I actually asked you to present something to the group. And then you decided, hey, this is a great group. I'm going to go ahead and um, offer to take them through Purpose Mastermind. And uh, I immediately was like, heck yeah, let's do it. And so we went through Purpose Mastermind, and then you decided to make it one of your uh, – I guess you could tell just the kind of the camaraderie of the group. You decided, yeah. hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep coming to this group, and so ever since then, you yeah. just you just have stuck with it. And uh, anyway, we changed from basketball to pickleball now, and we'll play ping pong. Um, we'll have once a month breakfast in the morning. Um, we meet at the weight room sometimes and work out together. Um, and we're we're trying to do uh, men's retreats twice a year. We got another one coming up here at the beginning of March that we're going to do. So it's just, and these are common miracles, (laughs) common miracles. The reason that eight to 12 men show up at 6 AM on a Sunday morning is one, because you just took a step to Mm -hmm. love people. Like you, you're clearly not trying to build a brand or something. You're just like, Mm -mm. I love people. (laughs) You're like men, men probably need men. So you took a step, but the reason there's so many men is because there are so many men desperate to be in a community of men that just believe in them and love them. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a miracle. It's a common miracle. And so now a men's retreat and who else, who knows what else um, will come from this, but it's fascinating to me. Yep. Let's do this last question. How do you stay in the game as a man? This one is a um, pretty easy answer for me. I I simply, when I start thinking about myself or my problem or whatever whatever worry is going on in my mind, I uh, heard from a pastor, if you want to increase your faith, look for ways to inconvenience yourself for somebody else's benefit. And so I simply, I I put my head on the swivel and I start looking for people around me, whether that be my wife, my children, or if I'm out and about at my job, you know, where I teach at, um, I'm just looking for people that I can literally go and inconvenience myself, uh, for their benefit, not mine. And just pour into them a little bit, just ask them questions. How's your day going? What's, what, what's your personal life like? Like what, I mean, what's going on? And that keeps me in the game because you wouldn't believe how many how many relationships or how many even guys that come to that Sunday morning men's group are at that Sunday morning men's group because I inconvenienced myself and just got to know them. Yeah. And I recognized really quickly that they needed something 
like that Sunday morning group. So of course I'm like, Hey, come check this out. And, uh, but yeah, inconveniencing yourself for the benefit of somebody else is, uh, that keeps me in the game. Yeah. It is easy. Uh, it's simple and it's simple in thought, (laughs) but it is anytime we inconvenience ourselves, we're going against our nature that loves comfort. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a beautiful thing. I, I believe what Fred Rogers said when he said that life is simple but deep in a world that offers the complex and the shallow. Mm. I am convinced that if any man in our area were to go hang out weekly at your group on Sunday mornings, their life would be dramatically impacted. It's hard to exactly measure the impact of something like that. It doesn't need to be exactly measured, but for probably any man, if he were to find great community with just common people, the things that could be a ripple effect in his life are amazing. So Daniel, we'll cut it off here, but thanks for jumping in to share some of your story. I look forward to the rest of your story being in the book Mm -hmm. that comes out, hopefully this calendar year. Yeah, uh, it needs to. We got to push for it. So, any final words you want to share with the, with the audience? Um, well, first off, thanks for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. Um, golly, I would say if you want to, if if you want to get in the game, if you want to, if you feel unfulfilled, just remember that. Life's not about you. Um, it's the it's about the one that came and died for you. And whenever you can find freedom, and and really set into the fact that you are redeemed, um, you have nothing to prove to anybody else. You mm. can just go and live your life freely, and you're not afraid to take steps of vulnerability to people to love and serve them. And mm. so. Just simply, just simply loving and serving people, um, all to the glory of God, and uh, you'll you'll live a bold life when you do that. That's great. Thank you. Well, listeners, you know what I'm going to tell you. I have to tell you this repeatedly. Your life has a purpose. You can know that purpose, and you can be set free from anything that's holding you back from living it out boldly. Now, go take on the day. <laughs>